Welcome to the third of three podcast interviews with the faculty of the educational initiative entitled Overview of Optimizing Oral Antiplatelet Therapy in Acute Coronary Syndrome. These podcasts were produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. The content for this podcast was adapted from an interview with Dr. Paul Dobish, recorded in December 2010 during the 45th ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Exhibition. Dr. Dobesh is Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. He also is Chair of this educational initiative coordinated by ASHP Advantage. Welcome, Dr. Dobesh. Thank you. Very happy to be here. In interviews with the other faculty, we discussed some of the limitations and clinical challenges associated with dual antiplatelet therapy. I understand that there are some alternative approaches to oral antiplatelet management in patients with ACS being investigated. What would be the major advantages and disadvantages of some of these alternative approaches? Well, some of the alternative approaches uh, basically go against what we would kind of look at the standard of care, which we do right now is clopidogrel, 300 milligram loading doses, 75 milligrams a day thereafter. One of the alternative approaches is going, instead of a maintenance dose of 75 milligrams of clopidogrel a day, going to 150 milligrams a day. You know, obviously that is going to be a doubling of the cost of the maintenance therapy, uh, so that's obviously a disadvantage. One advantage of that therapy is that, you know what, you do get better inhibition of platelets, but we do know that probably not optimal inhibition of platelets in everybody. So I think it might be a decent approach for some patients, but we have found some data that supports that that's not the answer for all patients. Another alternative would be to add a third antiplatelet agent. Instead of, so instead of dual antiplatelet therapy with, say, aspirin and clopidogrel, people are looking at adding a third antiplatelet drug. Solostazol is a drug that's been commonly added. There are new drugs on the horizon called PAR1 antagonists that go against the thromboreceptor, which are going to be an add-on, a triple, a third antiplatelet agent. And so, once again, I think there's been some interesting study with these drugs, but the thought of having a third drug um, you know, obviously, once again, will increase cost, and we don't really know yet the impact that that may have on the bleeding risk for these patients as we triple up on the antiplatelet therapy. The final approach, I think, the alternative approach, would be using an alternative P2Y12 antagonist besides clopidogrel. There's been a number of studies that looked at crossing patients over with the older drug, ticlopidine. Once again, not probably the answer. There's a lot of situations where patients still don't have a good response to ticlopidine. And probably the most promising right now is some of the new agents. We have a drug called Prosegrel, just came out about a year ago. It's been shown to significantly reduce death and myocardial infarction and, and stroke events in patients. And so, you know, that's clearly an advantage. Prosegrel also, though, we know carries a higher bleeding risk compared to patients on clopidogrel. And then another drug, which we believe should probably be approved by sometime late this year, 2010 or early 2011, is Ticagrelor. Ticagrelor is structurally different than both clopidogrel and prosegrel. And in the head-to-head study of the PLATO trial versus uh, clopidogrel, it's been found to significantly reduce cardiovascular mortality, MI, and stroke. And part of that endpoint that was reduced that's very attractive is that it was cardiovascular death. It was able to do this. There was a slight increased risk of bleeding like we saw with prosegrel, but the bleeding events did not seem to be as dramatic. With prosegrel, we saw life-threatening bleeding and patients dying from bleeding. That didn't seem to happen with the use of ticagrelor. So, I, you know, looking at some of these new drugs, I think, is it going to be one of the best options we can go after. When I spoke with Dr. Julie Acetri, she described how platelet function testing and genetic testing 
are being investigated to assess patient response to clopidogrel. Do you think practice will or should move to do more of this kind of testing with clopidogrel or to use some of the alternative options? That's a really good question because there's a lot of controversy in this area. The genetic testing, you know, is about $500 a patient, and we've seen that just knowing the genetics of somebody's 2C19, the way the drug is metabolized, only explains about 12 to 20 percent of the variability that they respond to the drug. So that seems to be a lot of money to gain a very little bit of information. Platelet function testing, I think, is probably more attractive than the genomics testing, but once again, there's a lot of debate and discussion about what the cutoff should be for these tests. There is a cost still associated with these tests and how predictive they really are for events. Now, one thing I think that will be interesting is that when, you know, clopidogrel will probably go generic sometime in the next 6 to 18 months. And, and when that happens, and, you know, and clopidogrel goes from $4 a, a day to $4 a month, using platelet function testing will be much more attractive from a cost perspective. And so I think what, maybe when the drug goes generic, then we're going to be doing maybe some more of this platelet function testing to find out those patients who respond or don't respond. And at that point, if they don't respond, then maybe they'll go to the brand name newer drugs. So that pharmacists can properly monitor and counsel patients, what are some of the key points that pharmacists need to know about the alternative oral antiplatelet strategies? You know, focusing on the oral antiplatelet strategies, especially, let's say, the new agents, the Prosegrel, the Ticagrelor, you know, one thing to remember that pharmacists, when they're providing this education, that these drugs are very similar to clopidogrel. There are unique differences, but a lot of the education is the same. As far as, you know, the, the reason they're taking their medication, Usually if they're going to be on one of these, they have to make sure patient adherence is crucial. You know, we can discuss all day long of the little benefit here and there, but if nobody takes the drug, that's going to be a real problem. And so making sure patients understand that they need to take this drug, they're going to need to probably take it for at least a year in many cases. You know, the common side effects of bleeding and things like that. That education, as we compare it to clopidogrel, will be fairly similar. Differences would be in with Prosegrel. You know, one of the things, we, like I mentioned earlier with Prosegrel, well, there are some situations where the bleeding is highly elevated. And so I think pharmacists need to be doing a little bit of screening to make sure that the patient is a good prosegrel patient. Patients with a history of transit ischemic attack or strokes, the drug's contraindicated. So we have to ask those questions to make sure. Don't assume that those questions have been asked ahead of time. Also, patients who are over the age of 75 years, patients who are less than 60 kilograms, are also at increased risk of bleeding with prosegrel. It's a warning, not an absolute contraindication, but it's clearly a warning. It's, but from a screening perspective, I think as pharmacists, we need to be taking that step if, if we're going to dispense somebody some Prosegrel. Ticagrelor, like I had said earlier, as it's a new agent, ha will be a little bit different drug because it is chemically different than the clopidogrel and Prosegrel. There have been some unique side effects that have been seen in the clinical trial, the PLATO study with Ticagrelor versus clopidogrel. Different adverse effects that we typically have not seen because if it's a different uh, molecule. Patients have reported some shortness of breath. Uh, patients have had a little bit of increases in, in serum creatinine. Patients who also have some increases in uric acid and therefore exacerbating maybe gout. And so these will be some interesting things we haven't seen. Part of that's probably because the molecule has some adenosine properties to it. And so we know that adenosine sometimes can cause shortness of breath. We know that adenosine can also uh, alter renal function a little bit. We know that it can also, because it's a purine analog, that's what could lead to the increases in uric acid. So it's very interesting. Thankfully, these side effects, this shortness of breath and creatinine and, and uh, uric acid levels aren't life-threatening type of side effects. They're usually more of a nuisance 
than anything else, and they haven't been dramatic. But understanding that ticagrelor is a different molecule compared to clopidogrel and prostaglil will, will be important as pharmacists provide education to those patients. This concludes this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Dobesh about optimizing oral antiplatelet therapy in acute coronary syndrome, a web-based continuing pharmacy education activity based on the Mid-Year Symposium will be available in March 2011. To access this activity and other educational opportunities on this topic, visit the web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com optimize.